Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Buckland, a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Well, hello everyone. This is our weekly podcast from Faith Fit Radio, and this is your host, Father Martin. Greetings and Lenten salutations, your co-host Steve Buckland, along for the ride with the good Padre. Isn't it wonderful when it's so cool outside as we are doing the recording in a very closed and confined studio? Yep, we're back in the studio. We're out of the dungeon. If the last couple podcasts sounded a little tinny, crazy, or over the top, it was because we were recording um, in a small dungeon. But now we're back. We're back in the uh, we're back in the studio where we all have our own mics and there's air conditioning. It's very very nice. So you should expect us to be uh, no less entertaining than we normally are. <laughs> Whatever that means, whatever that means. Now, right. hopefully everybody's Lenten journey is going well. Today, for our topic, we want to go something a little more human-centric, I suppose. Um, because, like St. Thomas said, grace is built upon nature. And so Steve is going to wow our minds and hearts with his topic today. So, Steve, what yes, are we so, talking about? So what are we talking about today? Well, uh, we're talking about today Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Yay! Yay! So all of you psych majors, just get ready. Um, everything I'm going to say is going to offend you, and you're going to say, oh, you're totally mis- mis- dis- you're distorting this. It's all wrong. But the context uh, and why I think this is a useful topic is um, the hierarchy of needs kind of talks about the stages of need and, and kind of where we are in the pyramid can directly kind of um, connect to how we behave as humans and how we interact with one another. So just a couple of things, so just to kind of set the table. So if anybody uh, knows who Abraham Maslow was, uh, he was what WeCat is frowning at me. I can't remember where he's from. You can't remember. It It doesn't matter where he's from. Okay. Uh, The important thing is he wrote a paper in 1943 called The Theory of Human Motivation. It was published in the Psychological Review. Uh, And basically what he did was um, he spent his time studying like the smartest people of the time. So Albert Einstein, Jane Addams, Eleanor Roosevelt, Frederick Douglass, although a little bit, you know, kind of before his time. But basically what he was interested in is how he was interested in the behavior of people who were super successful um, at whatever it was that they were doing. And obviously Einstein, Roosevelt, Douglass, they're all kind of doing different things. Um, But most of the people at the time were kind of studying the mentally ill, neurotic people. They would have been studying Father Martin and me. Um, and so Maslow chose to the focus hopeless on, cases. right, exactly, people who are smarter and doing doing very well. So um, he kind of rounded it out in 1954 in a book called Motivation and Personality, um, and it's still a popular framework. So a lot of people um, learn it; they use it sociological research, management training, um, and still in, in higher institutions of learning. But there are also a lot of people who criticize. But sure, no, for I, our I, purposes, what I want to what we want to focus on is kind of the stages of need as they relate to our development as Catholic Christians. Sure. Now, I still remember going through this when I took uh, Introduction to Psychology back in college seminary a million years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, just before we started the uh, the uh, podcast, uh, Steve and Week had had a little debate because Week had thought that we uh, were off by two stages we can't believe that we have there's supposed to be seven stages of human <clears throat> needs right but steve only came up with five so what are the five that you came up with steve so our five are physiological safety 
love and belonging, esteem, and then self-actualization, which really kind of rounds out um, into uh, self, really kind of like self-realization. So self, self-actualization isn't actually kind of the final pyramid, um, mm-hmm. but, but it's, it, you get the point. So if we're thinking about it, it's shaped in a pyramid with the physiological being at the base, and each piece of the pyramid getting smaller as we get up to self-actualization. And Maslow's theory was that you couldn't, that the, that the hierarchy of needs, that you had to satisfy these things kind of in order to get sure. to the next level. Now, f- physiological need at the base of the pyramid doesn't mean that it is the lowest need, whereas I, I, I think it's more like a foundational because you can't aim for something higher unless you you met with uh, philo- physiological needs like food, water, uh, sleep. Right. Sleep. sleep. Yeah, yeah, it's all the things that are immediately in front of you. So, so it's hard for you to worry about how you look if you have no place to sleep, right? So... I- Right. Have you talked to me after a night of no, not good sleeping? <laughs> right, exactly. And you got to eat. So it's 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 your very it's almost your most base um, your most base needs, very instinctual. Sure. Um, and so what's you know what separates kind of humans from animals? And I'm going way off the reservation. I'm sure um, at least one person will email in. But um, is that you know we have what separates us from kind of animals, animals behave instinctually towards their physiological needs, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm hungry and I'm a lion and I go kill whatever I can get my hands on, right? Sure. As humans, we actually um, have the ability to kind of choose. So how are we going to deal with these physiological needs? So I don't have a place to sleep. Well, there's somebody who has a house. I don't just go take that house from somebody or I don't go steal food from a restaurant, sure. right? I operate within the confines of some sort of moral construct. Mm-hmm. Got it. And and it's also depending on different culture what what you would consider the basic need here in the first world country like America, and the basic needs for food and shelter and 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 sleep and water in a third world country are or, or even in a first world country in the face of a natural disaster. That's so true. In the face of uh, tsunamis in in like in Japan a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, earthquakes, um, you know. So even hurricanes. So when Hurricane uh, Andrew came blowing through Miami in 1992 and just decimated everything. I mean, people who had houses uh, one day had no place to live the next. So, right. Yep. So and then next in the pyramid is safety. So um, so can, these are concerning about my own personal safety, safety of loved ones. Sure. Very kind of basic love and belonging, uh, which is above that. Now that's seeking to kind of after our physiological and safety needs are fulfilled. Um, then we're more concerned about interpersonal and the feelings of belongingness, right? Mm-hmm. So that's family, family friendship, yep. intimacy, things like that. Um, then from then comes esteem. Hmm. Mm. Yes, all humans have a need to feel respected. And nobody bore that out better than Aretha Franklin in her song Respect, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I still don't understand most of the preferences that he talked about sometimes. What? The pop culture and songs. Yeah. Aretha uh, Franklin? Steve is old, Or people. Maslow. Aretha Franklin is not a guy. You know that, right? I have no idea who that is. She's like the queen of soul. All right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Let's just get back to the The record pyramid. just skipped off. Does anybody even know what a record is anymore? Probably not. Although, yeah. So, esteem. So, everybody wants to feel self-respect. You want to feel like you're important. You want to feel like you're necessary, right? And then once I've gotten through esteem, then we come to self-actualization, 
or what I would like to call it, I think he actually, in kind of rethinking it out, kind of really decided to term it self-transcendence. Mm-hmm. So in self-actualization slash self-transcendence, um, I'm now growing out of myself, right? And the transcendence is referring to kind of the most highest, uh, the highest or most inclusive level of human consciousness, spirituality, and behaving. So that now I'm not thinking so much about myself. So mm-hmm. really in the first four stages of the pyramid, they're exceptionally me-centric. And it isn't until I satisfy, or by the way, Maslow says, and this is where it's really interesting to, uh, to Catholics, to, to those of us who are on this, this journey of faith, um, is that it doesn't necessarily have to be satisfied, but it has to be mastered. Sure. So once I've mastered these needs, and I think when he says master, I kind of think about it from the context of master how I'm going to address them, mm-hmm. right? Then I'm actually able to kind of come and pull myself out of these four stages of me and become aware and focused and interested in things that are beyond me, which is like God and other people. So I can start thinking about other people at that point. As she was saying all this stuff, I just thought a lot about the uh, uh, the philosophy of Buddhism mm-hmm. because uh, the main purpose of the a lot of the philosophy from the East, uh, in more particular Hinduism and and Buddhism, they they focus tremendously on the highest need, which is self actualization, self transcendence, yep. and instead of uh, trying to fill the lower needs, mm-hmm. they they choose the opposite end, the, right. the pathway of detachment. Right. And so they sometimes they deprive themselves of, um, of food, water. Well, I would argue that Jesus asks us to forget the first four stages of the pyramid and focus and, and does exactly the same thing, that, that same kind of spiritual spirituality that, you come, that comes from the East that you mentioned. That's exactly what Jesus is asking us to do. Jesus says, um, if you have faith in God, right, then have faith that he knows your needs. We hear that in scripture. Your father knows what you need. Have faith in him. Get out of the way of all of these other things, right? And if you have put God first, so if you start and kind of flip the pyramid around and you start with God, you start with that self-actualization, that commitment to Mm -hmm. a higher power, God. Well, commitment to Christ. Just like then the temptations, just like the three temptations of Jesus in the desert. Yeah. What did the the devil begin with? The devil begin with food. Yeah. Turn rock into bread. Yep. And then and then when he took Jesus to the the, the highest temple, uh, the the highest point of the temple, he asked Jesus to to worship him. Yep. Uh, and then the glory of the world, esteem, uh, power. All these things that that we talk about the basic the four basics needs the devil tempted Jesus and then what did Jesus point it out man does not live on bread alone right but on every word that God speak you must not test the Lord your God and right. you and you must worship him and him alone, him alone. and so just like you said he flipped it around he said focus he on God first and then everything else will be provided I mean the interesting I think for us, particularly in our in our struggle in our day to day struggles in, with our faith and with interacting with society and with each other, it's important to be aware of these stages. Mm-hmm. It's important to be aware of these these needs and desires, so that we can account for them and keep them in the context of the larger goal. So, if my goal is to be and my desire is to be a disciple of Christ, mm-hmm. and my desire is to develop and enkindle a deeper relationship and love for Christ in my life and for God, 
the only way I can do that is by understanding all of the other things that are going to influence that and then learn how to master them. Sure. So that the priority can be got. If you're totally focused on where am I going to get my next meal, right? Where am I going to or I'm totally focused on what everybody thinks about me. Um, if I don't make, you know, if I don't get enough social media posts on the day or if I don't send enough snaps out to my friends or, you know, that, that somehow that has some bearing on how God sees me. Sure. And very true. The first stage of wisdom is self-understanding. Know of these needs and know how they will affect you. Uh, like sadly, a lot of the people of my age, my peers and younger, where our lives are so attached to social medias, Somehow, a lot of times... That's because you guys are all stuck at esteem. I think right? so. I think so because how much I'm worth, like how I feel about myself, how good I am, how much I'm liked, depending on how how many friends I have on Facebook, uh, how many people like the picture I posted. Mm-hmm. I, I've known people who go back to Facebook time and again just simply to check if they're getting any like on their posts. Right. Or Instagram. We don't forget about Instagram. I don't do Does Instagram. Does anybody use Pinterest anymore? Are there Pinterest people? Or is it just crafters now? Crafters and crocheters? That's the Pinterest world. Oh, gosh. Sorry. I'm too old for all this stuff. Are you Snapchatting, Father Martin? Do you no, have Snapchat? No, we know account? what it is. Oh, that is not good. It's a little sad because my 7th and 8th grade. You're the focus of the show is supposed to be on young adults, and you don't even have a Snapchat account. I just got out of the caves not so long ago, and I still <laughs> ride with my, my stone tablets. You know, we saw a carrier pigeon flying around the cathedral the day, and I suspected it it might be yours. I send that message to the Holy Father. <laughs> he hasn't responded. Uh, and then I want to talk about the, the need, the, the smack in the middle of the, this pyramid, which is the need for love and belonging. Mm. Um, this is relevant to people of all ages, all ages. Yeah. We all want it to be loved and to love. And, and sometimes because of that need, we chase after it. I don't know. And chase in the wrong places as well. Well, everybody wants to feel for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. There's no blanket statements. There are some people who just want to be alone. I mean, they're great examples of hermits, you know, going back to the early church fathers and things. Um, People who give the world, who who essentially separate themselves from the world to live alone. Mm -hmm. um, In a lot of cases, to live a life of prayer. But for the vast preponderance of us, we want to have some sense of belonging. So, you know, things that we might belong to would be, you know, the alumni from your school, Right. Oh, I went to, you know, University of Florida. I'm a Gator, you know, Gator Nation. Um, it could be your maybe your elementary school. Um, so kind of that school relationship. There's professional relationships. I'm a member of this medical association or you're involved in a club or a sport um, or you're involved in some church group. So Knights of Columbus, whatever it is, young adult ministry, um, you have a sense of belonging and, and are part of a larger group and you begin to identify yourself in the associations that you make. Sure, because human beings are social beings, and God created not only rational but relational. Mm-hmm. And so this need for love and belonging is absolutely crucial right? because we grow and becoming who we are by focusing also on the other. Yeah, and I just, you know, I've always kind of had the theory that a lot of the drive to belong um, comes from... I think a lack of love that we experience in in all the people we encounter. 
So we don't ever, we stop thinking about ourselves, and I think particularly society today, we have stopped thinking about ourselves as sons and daughters of God, and we only think about ourselves in very granular ways. So I no longer see that person over there as as a child of God. I only see them as a member of this organization or of that political party, or they think this particular way. Sure. Um, and so based on that, that's going to predetermine what my feelings are for them. So I see you and dressed in a particular way, and now I don't like you. Now, I don't know anything about you, but I just have associated you with the group. So this kind of this loss, this loss of being able to perceive that we have a fundamental core, a fundamental set of something that we share, that we're all that we are all made in the divine image and likeness of God mm-hmm. has gotten so far away from us that it has contributed, I think, in, in really detrimental ways um, to kind of this increasing fracture so of our where, where people really, for the sake of fitting in and feeling belonged, has gone out of their way and really lose a sense of who they are. Yep, exactly. Exactly. So, so, and it's important, you know, and when you think about esteem coming on top of that, that's kind of the next. So now I'm part of the group. Now I want to be like the leader of the group. I want to be known for the group. Oh, sure. It's the, you know, when, when Jesus talks in the scripture about, you know, when you're doing good works, don't let your right hand know what the left hand is doing, you know, and he would talk about the Pharisees, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't, you know, believe what, do whatever they tell you, right? But don't, don't follow the way that they behave. Don't do what they're doing. So when they tell you, um, you know, to pray, pray, but do it in a, you know, in a very discreet way. Don't, you know, don't go prancing around going, I'm like the prayer captain. <laughs> right, right. And, and once you understand the worth of being a child of God, then you really don't have to go around chasing the praises of other people because uh, a hero of my Colonel Francis Xavier Nguyen Van Thuan who was in prison for 13 years and and in his book uh, The Road of Hope he wrote this phrase and I, I try to remember it all the times if you understand the value of being a child of God other people's praises add nothing to, to your sense of self-worth and right. other people's criticism take away nothing right uh, to have that sense of centeredness in god and our identity then we don't have to be in, be pulled in this direction and that direction for as long as we we can have a sense of being someone in the world yeah i mean there's a beautiful saying from the 1970s which is and i know you're sitting down are you ready i am ready god don't make junk okay and that was, I mean, you could get it on T-shirts everywhere. God don't make junk. Now, I know that, you know, grammatically that's not we cat is frowning. Um, but it's right. It's it's right thinking in that to instill a sense of your, your holiness in the context of God or your identity mm-hmm. in the context of, of God um, means that it helps you to get to where the kernel was. Sure which is to, to understand that I have value, um, no matter what all of those other people over there think. Sure, because he wrote these words while he was being in solitary confinement, and the guards, the communist guards, went out of their way to humiliate him. They would give him very salty food, very salty food, so that he would get very thirsty later, and then once they give him a lot of water, he had to go to the bathroom, but they wouldn't let him. 
So he ended up soiling himself, and so they made fun of him. They said, you know, here, here's an archbishop, here's, where are your flocks, and look at you being a mess. And somehow this man wrote these words, if you understand the value of being a child of God, people's humiliation, criticism, criticism of you will take away nothing. Yeah. Um, and that's really and that's really the drive of it. I mean, understanding tools like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I think, help us um, when we kind of look at them, explore them, and think about them um, from a Christian, from a Catholic perspective. Mm-hmm. Could help us to better understand who we are, why we behave the way we do. I don't think I know anybody that doesn't go hasn't had a moment in your life where just like, what, bang, why did I do that? You know, mm-hmm. um, and and then, but understanding why we do things or what we're predisposed to do can only help us to get better um, and help us to grow in a more authentic relationship and to accept and be open to the love of Christ. You know, sitting in a confessional and understanding this helps confession help confessors tremendously. That's why we've pasted them in all the confessionals throughout the diocese. I don't know if you know that or not. I'm just kidding. Most pastors have opted out of that option. Uh, But... When someone comes to us with an issue, with a sin, the sins so often are just symptoms of something much deeper. Yep. If someone is, a, let's say, so attached to a sin, well, you, go, you have got to go deeper in order to diagnose right. what is the spiritual unwellness there. Yeah. Too often in society, what do we do? We rush to treat the symptoms, and we forget about the cause. Right. Like what's right. what is actually well? You know, I've got a runny nose. Give me five packs of Sudafed, um, and I never stopped to figure out what was causing the runny nose in the first place. Mm-hmm. And so, like a problem with pride, or or I have no problems with pride. I don't know why you're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> pride, or let's say being judgmental. Very often, that comes <clears throat> out of the lack of self-esteem as well. When you don't feel so good about yourself. Then you judge other, then you treat other badly, so that you know there's a sense of superiority. So you can't ju- judge the human behavior without understanding the deeper level. And so I thought this was incredibly helpful to to talk about this topic. Well, I hope it was helpful. I mean, you know, I, again, it's it's always interesting to find these little nuggets from psychology and and from history, and you know. There are a lot of smart people that came before us, and why shouldn't we leverage what they've done to help us on our journey? Now, just to change different a uh, different angle, this tool, this pyramid here, help us better understand ourselves. How about it also help us in our relationship with other people? Oh, of course. To know that the the, hu- the human person in front of me also has all these needs built in the person. They may act the way they act this way or that way whether you know pleases us or annoys us right but knows that the these people also seek the same needs that i do yeah particularly i think most especially when we encounter people who are in real need you know people who have who have defined physio uh, physiological needs people who are looking for shelter people who are you know looking for help, people who suffer from substance abuse. I mean, these are people who are coming who have very real physiological needs. And so being able to kind of process those and understand them and open our hearts to them mm-hmm. to do what we can to help them um, is a good thing, you know. But you got to understand where they're coming from first. Sure. And a, a beautiful tool for 
for young parents as well. Yep, young Absolutely. parents because your kids, your kids, not, you don't only take care of the the basic physical needs, but remember, kids thrive with uh, with safety. When they feel safe, they thrive. Right. When they feel belonged, they they build the confidence, the esteem area right there. So, just to feed them, just to provide them with the the latest technology, just providing them with all these gadgets does not mean. No, it can't replace the love. It can't. You can't. You cannot substitute toys and things for sitting down. And actually, having physical, real human interaction with somebody. There's no replacement for that. There's no toy or device or FaceTime app that's ever going to replace the value of sitting down face to face and having a meaningful interaction with either, you know, a child, a loved one, a friend. There's nothing that will ever be able to replace that. All right. So this, I guess, coming so to an end. It is. We are wrapping it up. I feel totally self-actualized, and I'm ready to go out and help people in the world. You Amen. actually feel self-actualized? I'm actualized. I'm, I'm still working on it, Steve. No, I know. You're still working on your self-esteem. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> that made me cough. Right. We're still actually, what we're really working on is the sense of, of love belonging, because Father Martin is wearing a navy blue vest with black shirt. So <laughs> I have no sense of fashion. We had to slip through three fashion police posts just to get him into the studio. <laughs> but in in conclusion, just a final thought. So often we we get caught up with all these basic um, human instincts and human needs. Um, but every once in a while, we need to refocus on the self transcendence when we reconnect ourselves with God and understanding that. It is Him who gives us a sense of self-worth. It is Him who gives us a sense of identity, and it's also Him who will provide for all of these needs. Then I don't think we would have to uh, really exhaust ourselves all that much chasing after all of these things in the world. Yeah, we we search for the satisfaction of all these needs, but we often search in the wrong places. Yep, like God. Father Mark mentioned last week. You know, the best way to feel the love of God is to communicate with God mm-hmm. and to do that in prayer, some form of prayer every day. I mean, he man, man, man mentioned last week of, uh, you know, a little card that he gives people so when they're brushing their teeth, they can pray. Hey, Amen. There, there's no, I don't think there's anything, uh, there's always a good time for a small prayer, never sure. a bad time for any prayer. Every once in a while, just allow God to look at you with tenderness and let him telling, let him tell you that he loves you. And if you want us for somebody to see you like physically with tenderness, just come visit Father Martin down at the cathedral. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I've got enough work to do. Uh, well, that's all we have for this week, folks. We hope the Lenten journey continues to be strong as we come closer and closer to our Easter celebrations. We'll and continue to pray for you. And thanks for listening. Remember to smile often because God loves you. Amen. Faith Fit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented Ex Nihilo with Father Martin Wen and Steve Buckland. Thank you for listening. Check out the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.